Welcome to the Grappling Discourse Podcast. I'm your host, Matt Scaff. Today, I want to talk about stand-up rules. More and more students at 10th Planet Decatur are starting to practice takedowns. I myself have been really putting a lot of my focus into improving my own takedowns. I've been having a blast sharing ideas and techniques that I've been using with my students during the classes I teach. I'm starting to see results. I'm starting to see people get takedowns. More and more of our students are really starting to start on their feet and they're having fun doing it. Our competitors are going out there and hitting them during competition. This is just really cool to me because for a long time, this was an area that we neglected and it was an area that we weren't very good at. But the past year, me and Brandon have been focused on how do we get the fight to the ground? Now, a lot of this influence is coming from the Elkins brothers, particularly Jake Elkins. Jake Elkins is a genius. I'm telling you guys, if you do not have a wrestling coach, if you do not have someone at your gym teaching takedowns, if you don't feel comfortable takedowns, maybe you've got a teacher, but you just don't feel like you're getting success. You're tired of shooting single legs and double legs and just getting sprawled on and snapped down and your face driven into the dirt. You need to check out Ironclad Methods. Check out Jake's IG, check out his YouTube channel, join his website, it will be the best money you ever spend. Even just the free material on his YouTube is worth it, and you will see gains. I am starting to hit takedowns like I never thought I would. I've got multiple takedowns that I'm really comfortable with. I'm starting to see the angles and to when to shoot those different takedowns. I'm starting to snap people down. I'm starting to get throw-bys and arm drags. And my ability to just get my opponent's weight where I want it to be on the feet has, I mean, I used to never be able to do that. And now I'm really starting to be able to dictate that, especially against guys that, you know, because in the past I, I would have wars with blue belts when it came to wrestling or on the feet. I just, I would shoot a crappy shot. They would shoot a crappy shot. I would hope to just sprawl and get their neck or I'd hope they'd get tired and I could use my superior cardio to get them down. But now I'm finally technically taking people down. But I want to talk today about the things you should not do when you're practicing takedown techniques. There are some rules that I feel like most gyms don't, they don't talk about. They don't tell their guys what is unacceptable on the feet. I know we've done a poor job over the years about expressing to our students when they do and practice takedowns what they shouldn't attempt. As I said, more and more of our guys are starting to practice takedowns, and I've seen some of them break these rules. But I can't be mad because they just don't know. I guarantee your gym, if you talk to your instructor, if you ask him about, hey, you know, I listen to this podcast, Matt said that I shouldn't do this, what do you think? I guarantee you he'll agree. I know a lot of the best coaches, I've heard them vocalize some of these same ideas, and it really will keep you and your training partners safe. Takedowns are dangerous. People get injured at a higher rate practicing takedowns. Now, a lot of that is due to falling. Falling is dangerous. People die every single day from the act of falling. Whether it's falling from a ladder or falling off a bridge, impact, that falling impact is what is so dangerous. There's just so many forces that are being applied, extra forces. When you land, if you land improperly, especially with somebody's weight on top of you, 
you can really get injured. If you post out, you try and stop yourself from falling. If your legs get tangled up, if somebody's weight falls on your knee, we're talking about injuries that can keep you off the mat for a year plus. The first big thing that I tell guys is do not jump guard. That is a no-no. You cannot do that at 10th Planet Decatur. You can't do that at most gyms. I know I've heard John Donahue talk about how he does not allow his students to jump guard during training. Now, you'll see a lot of people jump guard at the IBJJF tournaments. Now, what is jumping guard? Jumping guard is when two people are in the standing position and one person jumps their hips above their opponent's hips. They lock the full guard and they attempt to get their opponent's posture. They get posture control and they drag them down into the closed guard on the ground. So they're jumping the guard, their hips above their opponent's hips to try and drag them down into the grounded guard position. Now, when this technique is done correctly, especially if the person has a good base, they've got their legs underneath them, everything's fine. Nothing dangerous about it. But the IBJJF has a horrific, horrific amount of just people getting their legs absolutely destroyed from poor guard jumps. Now, sometimes the reaction is what gets the person hurt. As somebody jumps guard, if you take try and take a step back or you try and avoid it by retreating, well, you've now changed the, changed the landing spot of where your opponent's weight is going to land. So maybe they were going to get above your hips, but instead you took that half step back. Now they're landing closer to your knee. And the closer that weight lands towards your knee, the more dangerous it is. I love what the B team's doing. So Craig Jones and those guys have a phenomenal YouTube channel. Um, I don't think it's their channel, but some guys are filming them. Uh, the channel is called Count Films. And they featured a female competitor, I believe she was a brown belt, who was coming off of a completely blown out knee. And she blew this knee out at an IBJJF tournament where she had entered the absolute division. She was going against a heavier opponent. This opponent outweighed her, I think, by 30, 40 pounds, and she jumped guard. Her opponent jumped guard. It was a poor guard jump. All of her opponent's weight landed on her knee, and she ended up tearing every single ligament in her knee. Her ACL, her MCL, her PCL, her meniscus, her LCL, and she's saying that her recovery time is going to be about a year and a half, probably two years before she's back competing. And... Again, this, this isn't a freak accident. There are tons of videos out there of people getting absolutely destroyed by guard jumps. The last thing we need is somebody practicing guard jumps during live training at the gym. I don't care what belt rank, you should not be jumping guard. John Donaher doesn't allow it. Our gym doesn't allow it. Most gyms do not allow that. If you want to practice it, and really the only time you should practice it, I guess, is for an IBJJF competition. But even then, jumping guard has no place in the streets. Like if we're talking about a true self-defense situation, if you jump guard, well, if your opponent slams you, then your head's hitting concrete. So you can't jump the guard. Like there's really no application outside of the IBJJF tournaments. So there's really no point in practicing that one. So I tell our guys, there's no reason to do it. Just get better at takedowns. 
Um, if you want to pull guard, I guess, like do it in a safer way. There's other t other ways to pull guard that's way safer where you're not jumping. I'm talking about purely jumping guard. Pulling guard's okay, but do not jump with your weight completely off the ground and throw it at your opponent. Bad things will happen eventually. Eventually, somebody at your gym will get very injured if you do not have this rule in place. The second big rule is we do not allow the Kani Basami or as it's known in English, the scissor leg takedown. Now, nothing makes the crowd pop more than a six scissor leg takedown. We saw Gordon Ryan use it multiple times against Bone Nichols. Gary Tonin is the master at this technique. He's hit this in ADCC at EBI in different super fights. I mean, the last one he hit on Edwin Najmi at ADCC 2019 was just perfect. Just absolutely beautiful. And this is a technique I think everybody should know. It's a technique that I've used in the past and I've had success with. It's a way to catch your opponent off guard, particularly if your opponent's a, a big single leg. Like if you're going against a wrestler who's really good at a single leg, keeps his head on the inside, he puts your leg in between his knees, like he gets that pinch, that's the perfect time to hit him with a scissor leg. But if you do the scissor leg poorly or your opponent reacts poorly, there is a serious chance that they get very injured. Unfortunately, at our gym, 10th Planet Decatur, we've had a couple of injuries over the years from this scissor leg takedown. The worst being actually one that I threw. I threw a scissor leg takedown at one of my training partners. Now, before you guys judge me, me and this training partner were, were both getting ready for ADCC trials. We were looking at doing pro events, and we had agreed to allow scissor leg takedowns like during our rounds. So we didn't use it on anybody else, but... We did flying scissor legs. Um, you know, we threw that technique at each other. And I'd hit him with this technique four or five times. We, I'd been doing it maybe a month. And I used it mostly when he went for a single leg. He was practicing his wrestling a lot. He would put a single leg in, and he'd put my leg in between his legs, and then I would do a flying scissor. As I said, five times it worked great. But the sixth time... He tried to resist. He saw it coming. He took a half, uh, half step back. And just like in the, the jumping guard, when you take that half step back, it just changes where the hips land. And so now my weight, instead of landing in the proper position, it landed closer to the knee. And unfortunately for him, I, honestly, in a lot of ways, luckily for him, it was his ankle that got trapped. So all my weight hit his leg. His ankle got trapped underneath him, and he ended up breaking his foot which I know it sounds crazy to say, man, he got lucky it was just a broken foot, but honestly, he got lucky that it was just a broken foot. There have been a handful of people throughout the years that have got their legs completely destroyed, torn everything from a poorly applied flying scissor, or as I said, a poorly defended one. Now, again, the flying scissor is a technique I really think every gym should practice. I mean, it's been used at the highest levels of MMA. One of Anderson Silva's losses came from a Japanese opponent of his that hit him with the flying scissor. It was absolutely beautiful. As I said, Gary Tonin, Gordon Ryan, we've seen other grapplers use this technique to take out really, really good guys. You can definitely, definitely have success at the highest levels with this move. But train it 
as a dead rep. Take your partner off to the side and practice this. Practice the different scenarios. Practice flying straight into it. Practice practice it from a single leg. Practice it from uh, you know other um, you know hand fighting and gripping situations on the feet. Just please do not do not get comfortable throwing this technique during live training sessions. If you've never heard your gym talk about flying scissors, I guarantee it. If you show up and just randomly throw one, your training partner is probably going to be really pissed. And I guarantee you, your coach is probably going to give you a nice talking to after class. So do not train flying scissors live. Practice them in a safe, controlled, uh, you know, in a safe, controlled way where you and your partner are doing dead reps and you're slowly increasing the intensity of the dead rep. But do not get into a live situation with it, particularly against somebody that does not know it's coming. Now the last is probably the one that's kind of the most common sense is no slamming. Slamming, as I said, as I said, I should, with falling. Falling is incredibly dangerous. So the last thing we need to do is add extra force from, to the fall from a slam. Now, different organizations have different rules when it comes to slamming. Some organizations will allow you to slam out of submissions. Some organizations will allow you to slam in general. Like you can slam at any time. Some organizations, you are immediately disqualified for slamming. The IBJJF, you can't slam. At Naga, you can't slam. And I really like the no slamming rule. I'm a, not, or I should say I'm not a fan of slamming. Now, obviously in MMA, some of the best knockouts have come from slamming Ricardo Arona and Rampage Jack. It's the big one that comes to mind. If you've never seen that, you need to go to YouTube right now. Just type in Ricardo Arona get slammed or Rampage Jackson slam. And we're talking about a ADCC champion getting absolutely destroyed by a slam so Ricardo Arona tries to triangle Rampage Jackson Rampage Jackson picks him up in the triangle and puts him above his head so he pulls Ricardo Arona up above his head and then slams him drives all of his force as he throws Ricardo Arona and Ricardo hits his head and he's I mean he's basically dead I mean I don't know how he didn't die but the big thing is just use common sense. If you pick somebody up, particularly above the waist, set them down gently. Make sure your knee's leading. Don't just double leg somebody into oblivion. Have some control. You'll really find that you lose. Like one of the quickest ways to lose a training partner is to slam them during a takedown. If you're doing judo, try not to do a sacrifice throw. Don't land on somebody's ribs, especially if you're bigger. I know tons of guys that have injured their training partners. Um, you know, they're bigger guys. They did some type of hip toss or some type of judo throw, and they landed rib to rib with their training partner. And their training partner now has a, you know, they've got a um, you know hurt rib or separated rib, or maybe they fell funny. And, you know, you went really aggressive on a throw or, you know, you slammed them on a takedown and they landed on their shoulder or they tried to post out because it was just happening so quick. And now all of a sudden they've got a separated shoulder or a torn rotator cuff or a torn labrum in the shoulder. Just use common sense. 
Don't suplex somebody. Don't, again, try and throw them through the ground. You can't do that at most tournaments. So no reason to practice that during the training room. Training takedowns doesn't have to be dangerous. As I said, I've been training them more than ever, and I feel as healthy as I've ever been. The biggest uh, reason for that is not having an ego, right? Recognizing that, look, if I'm getting taken down, I don't need to fight tooth and nail. I don't need to get my legs all twisted up. I don't need to, you know, throw some crazy wizard to try and rescue it. Just accept getting taken down, okay? Now, obviously, if you've got an MMA fight coming up or you've got a huge jiu-jitsu tournament that, like, really matters, you, you shouldn't train that way. But, you know, if you're looking to just improve your wrestling and you're looking to put a lot of time into it that's the biggest thing for me is just not having an ego and once I've kind of accepted like dang okay this guy's really deep on me all of my late escapes and late defenses aren't working I'm going down once I've kind of accepted going down I fall way better I'm not going to try and post my arms out to stop the fall I'm not going to land funny and that's really helped me a lot the second is being in control of the grips. I've recognized that if I can control the grip battle, then my opponent is really hindered in what they can and can't do. Even if they want to be super aggressive, they have a tough time finding an inside space and finding a direct path into the takedown that they're attempting. And most people are going to try some type of arm drag, single leg, or double leg. And when you start to understand how to win the inside space and how to win, uh, you know, inside grips, you can really limit what most people are going to do. And the third is just communicating. I'm a big fan of communicating during training. I tell guys kind of the speed that I want to train. And I like to train wrestling at about 50 to 60%. I really feel like that's a controlled state. Um, you know, both people are going to be going hard, but they're not going so hard that, you know, they're trying to get the takedown at all costs. It's that mentality where I think a lot of the injuries happen. The other big one is limiting your training with bigger opponents. A lot of the wrestling injuries I've seen over the years have happened when a person is. 20 plus pounds bigger than the person they're doing takedowns with. Try to stay in your weight class. Try to. That's the thing that I'm really doing. I'm not trying to wrestle with 195 pound guys. I'm definitely not trying to do it with 225 pounds and above. And that's kept me feeling really, really healthy. I've really enjoyed training wrestling with women. We've got a couple of phenomenal women that wrestle. Nakaya Jackson being the big one. You guys know if you've heard me talk about Nakaya that she's absolutely killing it right now. She's on her way to being one of the best 120-pound women in the world. And I wrestle with her a lot, and we both get really good work out of it. So try and please just limit who you wrestle with, who you do takedowns with, particularly if you're pretty new at it or if you've got some some injuries uh, previously. For me, it was the shoulder. So the last thing I wanna do is shoot on or, or take a shot on 225 pound guy and he sprawls and it hurts my shoulder. Just all of that force 
you know, sprawling on my arm as I'm trying to reach for a leg. You know, I, I know tons of guys. I've heard lots of guys like wrestlers and, and even jujitsu guys talk about injuring and tearing their shoulders from failed shots. And I would guarantee most of these failed shots um, are going to be on bigger opponents and just all that extra weight and all that extra force coming down on your, like just dropping down on your arm as you go. Does not feel good. I've definitely had a couple of stingers from people doing really aggressive sprawls as I've shot. So again, just, just be very, very careful. So those are the basic rules and just some tips on how to stay healthy and how to train the standing position in what I think is the most kind of controlled way. Now, maybe wrong because I'm still pretty new to, to the stand-up game. I feel like I'm definitely at least a blue belt in my, my takedowns now, but I'm nowhere near purple, brown, or black. I think I'm a, I think I'm a pretty solid blue belt. But these are the rules, at least that our students have. These are the rules that I know like guys like John Donahue and other high-level coaches have. I mean, you can find John Donahue on YouTube talking about his rules at his gym, and you'll hear him, no guard jumping, no scissor leg takedowns, um, no slamming. Um, and I think he's got one or two others, but those are the big ones. And he iterates like, you, like, we will not tolerate you doing these things. And you shouldn't tolerate your training partners doing them either. Now, if you're super comfortable with scissor legs, right? I know a couple of gyms that say that they allow scissor legs during live training and they swear they've never had any injuries. Um, if you're one of those people, like that's good for you. Keep doing what you're doing. Um, but for the most people, I'm telling you, stay away from it and just do guard jumping as well as scissor legs during dead drilling. Till next time, guys, I love and appreciate you. Have a good weekend. Peace.